that it's not a straight ride to success. It's not going to be a line that goes, okay, we're taking off. Our great idea is now getting legs and we've got infrastructure in place and it's just go seems to be going up and it's, you know, it's going to be ups and downs and squiggles and you got to have a really powerful why, um, a real strong direction, like a knowing where we're headed and be understanding that there will be bumps along the way it's, and it's going to be more of a squiggly line, not just that straight line. And the, if your why isn't strong enough, you'll let these little things get in your way and stop you. So make sure when you're starting this business or whatever it is that you're doing, that you have a powerful purpose behind it. One that gets you excited, regardless if it's a good day or a bad day. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. You ever need help with yours? Just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the past podcast, Matthew Britt. And uh, Matthew uh, started out wanting to be a professional hockey and soccer player in high school, ended up getting uh, injured along the way. And so uh, uh, went or started out going into environmental engineering, but decided to uh, shift gears and uh, or, or college went in, in towards environmental engineering, but uh, ended up shifting gears and going and working a steel yard. Um, and then 9-11 occurred and uh uh, still, uh, still got uh, took it on the chin a bit there. So then uh, went to Ontario and uh, worked in tourism. Uh, also worked in a gym and as a personal trainer. Um, and then went to college or went back to college. Uh, worked in health and fitness for about ten years. Um, did a t-shirt brand for a bit, and then uh, went into the solar space. Um, afterwards, came across uh, food and uh, and uh, forest abundance, and kind of shifted uh, gears into that, and has been uh, focusing on that ever since. So, uh, with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Matthew. Hey, Devin, thank you so much for having me here. It's great to be here. I look forward to a great show with you. Absolutely excited to have you on. So, so now I took a much longer uh, journey and condensed into the the thirty or the the forty five second version of it. But why don't uh, we rewind and un unpack that a bit more? Uh, so, tell us a little bit about uh, how your journey got started. Yeah. So my intention, as you mentioned, was uh, athletics. I was hoping to be a professional hockey player and soccer player, and did very well in that space. Ended up winning a national championship as a hockey player here in Canada, and. But that same season, I separated both my shoulders a few times. So that changes everything. So made a little bit of a pivot, um, ended up moving to the city of Ottawa, where I did go back to back to school for a second time in the, in the college space and started working at the gym at the same time. Um, so as I was taking tourism and travel, uh, I was also working in the gym. And that led me to the personal training world and really diving headfirst into health and fitness. So didn't spend too much time in the travel and tourism space beyond the education and uh, went full time, personal training, coaching, working in gyms, ended up managing a fitness club, opening a club, had a team oh. of trainers that worked for me. Just diving, just uh, rewinding and diving in just a little bit, because if I remember right, you started out when you went initially went to college, went into environmental engineering yeah. and then took a break and then came back. And that's what did you study when you when you came back to college? 
Correct. So I, I did environmental engineering at first, dropped out, went and worked in the steel yard and had a great time there. That was a fun, you know, 20 year old, 19, 20, 21 year old job. Uh, and then did go back to college. That's when I moved from Thunder Bay, where I had been living, to Ottawa and got into the tourism and travel space. And from there, also started working in the gym, which was a real easy transition from trying to be a pro athlete, where I already was training very consistently in gyms. Um, working in the gym was a simple stepping stone and just loved it. Once I was really in there, spending as much time as I could be in the gym, working in my gym clothes. And uh, it was almost almost like working in a nightclub during the day. Really mm -hmm. interesting. So enjoyed that a lot. Spent almost a decade working in fitness clubs and in the health and fitness arena. Really saw myself there helping people improve the quality of their lives and actually helping people get off pharmaceutical drugs. Um, helping people change their lives by changing how they slept how they ate, how they thought, how they moved, et cetera, and helped improve their health in every way. It was tremendous, the transformations that would occur. And the countless people that um, you know were on things that we were told they'd be on for the rest of their lives to deal with a symptom of something and help them get off of those drugs and completely reclaim their health and move better than they ever had. So now you were so, you know, you went into, you know, did a short stint in uh, tourism and then kind of focused on the um, the gym and the the personal training. You did that for yeah. 10 years. Now, I think at some point there during that, and I can't remember if it's a side hustle or after that, you also got into a T-shirt brand with uh, Let's or Hug It Out. Is that right? Yeah, Let's Hug It Out. Yeah. So I did the did the gym stuff and then got into actually still promoting fitness, but through um, more nutrition. Uh, we promoted what's called a, a 90 day challenge. So that was really our whole business model was getting people to take 90 day goals and go after those utilizing supplements and nutrition and declaring their challenge. And we helped millions of people with that across Canada, the United States in a very short period of time. Uh, and then from there, as that was kind of going on, I also jumped into, at a t-shirt brand, it was a positive apparel brand called Let's Hug It Out. And literally all that t-shirt did was spread hugs, positive vibes and happiness simply by wearing a shirt. And it had, you know, just made such a long lasting impact when someone owned a shirt, every time they would put it on, they knew what it stood for. They got the smiles and the hugs and the good feelings from people around them. And it had a, a much longer life than the $25 that people spent for the shirt. They felt different every time they wore it. Mm -hmm. So I had that business and then uh, through there ended up in the solar space for a while and actually still kind of involved in solar while I'm also helping people uh, grow food, utilizing what's called permaculture, which means permanent agriculture. Hmm. So now you, so what made you or kind of sh or shift from being more in the, uh fitness and you know personal health over to solar and then to uh kind of perma agriculture how to or kind of what uh, prompted that that shift or adjustment so the change went because our health and fitness business crashed eventually something went south the leaders of that company um, hit their leadership lid i was outside of my control i didn't own the business 
Uh, I was just a part, you know, I was actively in the field promoting and growing it in that way. So that forced the pivot to look for something else. And the solar space was an emerging market, green technology, et cetera. So decided to dive into that essentially because not that I believe necessarily in climate change or like it wasn't to save the world in that way, but I thought, hey, if energy is hitting us, why as well capture it and utilize it? It just makes logical sense to add that into our energy mix. Hmm. So saw the opportunity there, got involved, and I've been working really in that space for about six years now overall. So now you're doing you're working in that space. So now you're so continue to work in that space, focusing on perma agriculture, kind of or walk us through kind of what the business kind of in, are in what, combination. What the yeah. Is. yeah. Yeah. So when I came across Food Forest Abundance, I was actually still 100% in the solar space at that time. And my intention was to unify the food production systems with the solar, because everybody who's installing a solar array on their house, they're looking for ways to be more self-sufficient, hmm. whether they know it or not, right? They're utilizing the solar energy for self-sufficiency reasons, typically. And putting a food production system on their property also helps with self-sufficiency. So I just thought logically it made good sense for those two organizations to do some sort of collaboration. Uh, at the time, the solar business wasn't ready for that. So it puts me in a spot where I have to make a pivot or make my own decision on what am I kind of going to do next? And I saw a much larger positive impact being possible with what Food Forest Abundance was up to based on how that business could already impact people at a global level where the solar business was just in the United States and specifically just in 23 country, uh, states, 23 states in the US. Whereas mm -hmm. the food forest abundance did not have any borders to contend with. It didn't have a physical product to ship across that needed government approvals or anything like that. It's a digital business doing design. Those designs, to keep it simple for people, you can just think about a design like architectural drawings for an edible landscape on your property. That design can go across borders, no problem. And then once it gets implemented, it's all being utilizing local plants, soil amendments, all of the things necessary from that local growing region. Uh, hmm. Just point in case, or case in point, I guess is the way to actually say that. Uh, Food Forest Abundance has now done designs in 54 countries inside of two years. Mm. Whereas, as mentioned, the solar business, 23 U.S. states. So now walk us through. So that kind of gives us an idea you're, you're doing that. So you're, you're continuing to kind of pursue both paths or uh, continuing to, is that a matter of solar pays the bills while Food Forest Abundance is growing? Or is it just a matter of uh, loving and enjoying both of them or kind of walk us through how you balance kind of uh, both of those uh, competing interests? So Food Forest Abundance designs and installs permaculture food forests as well as designs and builds out homesteads. And at a homestead, people will integrate energy production to help their homestead be more self-sufficient. So logical fit, we needed a solar solution. Um, we didn't just want actually to be bottlenecked in only by solar. So we've got wind, we've got geothermal, we've got other 
energy technology devices that we utilize as well as solar to help people be self-sufficient. So we wanted to make sure we had a resource to be able to incorporate that into our business structure. And we do this. That's why I still have the solar hat on sometimes. Okay. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Now that uh, sounds like it's a good mixture and uh, provides yeah. for a, a great opportunity uh, all around. So well, now with that, so give it walk us through. So now you're kind of, uh, or those kind of go hand in glove a bit, or it gives an opportunity to kind of uh, play off of uh, of each other. Um, but now uh, kind of where do you see things headed in the next six to 12 months as you guys uh, continue to um, pursue, or as you continue to kind of pursue both sides? Well, as Food Forest Abundance continues to grow its audience, we're talking to dozens, then it'll be 50 to 100 to hopefully thousands in the future talking to these people every single day about growing food, utilizing permaculture. That's kind of the entrance into the door, right? So we've got a team of designers. Our CEO is out there on all kinds of shows or talking to different audiences all over the place, attracting people who are interested in learning about what it is that we're doing. And at the same time, when those people come in, they're talked to by the designers who help these people learn about what's possible for their own properties. From there, the property owners invest in designs. And during those, that design process, we integrate the different pieces of the puzzle to help people be self-sufficient. So whether someone is just wanting a food forest design for their property, or they want to be more self-sufficient overall and integrate food, energy, water, healing, et cetera, into their properties, we can also help them do that. So what we're kind of doing next to help this scale is we're setting up demonstration locations. One of the things we realized as we continued to talk to thousands of people over the past two years is that there's a disconnect with what people think about when they think about growing food and what it is we actually do. Most people have a vision in their head of the annual garden when they think about food production or they think about a large industrial scale monoculture farm. Neither of those are what we do, but that's what people have been exposed to. So that's typically where their vision in their head goes. And both of those systems, by the way, fight nature, which makes them very time and resource intensive because they try to control the way nature is working in those scenarios. We're the opposite. We're all about working with nature and building things. The reason why it's called a food forest is that we're building a food production system utilizing edible perennial plants, which by the way, there's over 100,000 named edible perennial plants. Perennials means they're coming back year over year. And in this design of this ecosystem, we do work in layers, seven layers to be exact. So you've got much more production inside that same piece of square footage as example. And so as, as we started talking to all these people and seeing the disconnect, we realized we need to get people into a food forest to actually see it and experience it. So the image in their head changes. And a hundred percent of the time when we got someone to a food forest to experience it, that is what happened. They got it. The light bulb went off, the image changed. So they wanted to implement it into their own lives. They took action. So what we started to do from there was we realized we need way more of these demonstration locations so we started to think about, hey, if we're going to do this, why would we only stop at the food forest when today there's so many incredible products and services and technologies available that help people be self-sufficient in every way? 
Hmm. So let's demonstrate all of that stuff, which led us to create a new kind of section of our business we call a Freedom Farm Academy. A Freedom Farm Academy is exactly that. It's a physical demonstration location that shows off the food production systems, whether that's the permaculture or the aquaculture or aquaponics, vertical gardening, hydroponics, animal husbandry, all those things encompassing the food side. Then we can also demonstrate the solar and the wind and the geothermal and the, the hydroelectric and the other energy devices that exist today. We can have all those in those locations. We can showcase water technologies, how we capture it, how we move it around a property, how we store it, how we filter it, how we structure it, etc. So we can we can put all of those things into these locations and then give people the ability to come to those locations and see it, experience it, learn. And that when they see it operational, they realize that they can do these things too, which mm -hmm. now then inspires them to start integrating this stuff into their own homes or their own properties. Awesome. No, it sounds like uh, lots of opportunities, lots of uh, opportunities to educate people, to continue to uh, adjust mindsets and help people to uh, and to become more independent as well as to have a, a positive impact. So it sounds like yeah. uh, some great opportunities and uh, great directions to, to head. So but with that, now as we've kind of reached the present day of the journey and even looking a, a bit into the future, it's always a great mm -hmm. time to transition to the two questions always asked towards the end of each episode. So we'll jump to those now. So All the right. first question I'd like to ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? And what'd you learn from it? Uh, the worst business decision I ever made was actually, this is kind of like business and personal, they tie in very well together, was I deviated from my plan. I'd had a plan to be buying rental properties before I ever bought my own house. And as I had built up my business, um, the health and fitness one in specific, to be doing extremely well, right at the peak of that, I was at a point where I was cash rich. I wanted to make a decision on buying some rental properties. And I chose to buy my own house first. I bought a house that was bigger than I needed. Um, I, I deviated from my plan and that ended up costing me dearly because right when I bought it, our leadership kind of failed and things shifted course very quickly and everything ended up crashing and ended up losing that really liability. And that liability um, with the extra stress around all of that stuff going on um, made me overall not perform as well in business and in life because uh, that was my first time going through that type of an experience. And it uh, taught me a ton of lessons, um, showed me really the importance of a plan and sticking to your plan and those kind of things. And yeah, although it was ultra valuable, I don't have a zero regrets about it. That was just a really big lesson learned early in my business career. Uh, that success is not always guaranteed, even once you have it and it's rolling and it looks like it's, you know, never going to end. You got to stick to your plans and really properly allocate your resources to be continually putting assets under your control instead of putting liabilities <laughs> into your hands. Because when something does go wrong, uh, mm -hmm. those liabilities start to cash themselves in very, very quickly if you can't reel that in. No, it makes sense. And, you know, sometimes you have your 
uh, I'll put in quotes, cardinal rules or things that you don't or say, I'm not going to break. And then uh, sometimes you break those uh, rules for yourself. And then you, you'll learn why you, or is a good reminder of why you put those in the first place or why you had that in the plan. And yet yep. also sometimes uh, they're just easy to, to forget or to to talk yourself in a different direction. So great, uh, yes. great mistake to learn from or learn from. And I even made, I made the wise choice of asking mentors. I asked some other people questions about it and I got the same response about buying the house, like to do it. So mm -hmm. like, interest, interesting things, how that all went down. And I'm thankful for all of it and what a learning experience that was, even though I got some poor advice from some of those mentors at that time. Mm, thanks. Well, it sounds like it was a good learning experience, even if it was a, if it was a rougher one. So mm -hmm. second question now that I like to ask, so now if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? That it's not a straight ride to success. It's not going to be a line that goes, okay, we're taking off. Our great idea is now getting legs and we've got infrastructure in place and it's just go seems to be going up and it's, you know, it's going to be ups and downs and squiggles and you got to have a really powerful why, um, a real strong direction, like a knowing where we're headed and be understanding that there will be bumps along the way it's, and it's going to be more of a squiggly line, not just that straight line. And the, if your why isn't strong enough, you'll let these little things get in your way and stop you. So make sure when you're starting this business or whatever it is that you're doing, that you have a powerful purpose behind it. One that gets you excited, regardless if it's a good day or a bad day mm -hmm. uh, and realize that they're all, it's all this, this, the journey that you're on, all of these things that are going on in your life are just part of your own journey and how you keep your mindset and your attitude through that stuff will determine how quickly you're able to turn the negatives into positives and not get too down in the dumps. And also at the same time, take your highs and keep them as highs and positives, but not get too high up there, right? Because you don't, the thing you don't want to be doing is going way, way up and then way, way down and way, way up and way, way down. You want to try to really stay in an even up climb, at least in my opinion, uh, continually climbing at a relative pace of consistency instead of that emotional roller coaster. Nope, makes uh, perfect sense. I think it's a great, uh, great piece of advice and uh, sets you up to be uh, successful in the long run. So that's uh, mm -hmm. awesome, and uh, that uh, was a, a great uh, takeaway. So. Well, now as, as we wrap up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or yeah. all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Yeah, so they can send me an email at Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W, at foodforestabundance.com. Matthew at foodforestabundance.com. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, make a new connection, support a great business, and if nothing else, uh, make a new best friend. So with that, thank you again, uh, Matthew, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for yeah, all thanks, the other listeners that are out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So let's go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners, make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review. Helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success. 
And on that note, if you ever need help with your startup, your small business, just go to, or with patents or trademarks or anything else, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. We're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Matthew, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Awesome show.